Turning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Ellie Tuning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show At JumpyEllie.com Friends, this is another edition of the Passball Show Brought to you by JumpyEllie.com By St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey By Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck Located in Scranton, Pennsylvania As always a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball sports and unified America. Thinking about doctors that have the tendency to always say, hey, that person's never going to walk again. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, are the Lakers hopeless without Anthony Davis? That's something that really does have to be thought about. And if I have time today, a surprise MLB team, which, by the way, I haven't even picked yet. We'll see how that ends up working out. But I'm going to start off today by the uh, constant rumors that you're going to hear about star quarterbacks in the National Football League that are going to get traded. We're pretty sure, or I think odds, if you're a conventional wisdom fan and you try to use that, Deshaun Watson will probably be traded before the draft, somewhere around the draft. He's probably not coming back to Houston. They got a weird situation there where now Will Fuller is unlikely to come back. J.J. Watts released. Um, if J.J. Watt, by the way, signs with the Titans, I'm going to put together a top 10 all-time players that my favorite teams have ever acquired. And um, I'm interested in your take on that, of course, as well. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of speculation about a relationship in Seattle with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, the great quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks and Honestly, if it wasn't for what he has done over the last five, six, seven, you know, past decade or so, the Seahawks aren't what they are. And there might be some unrest. Uh, Maybe there's a disconnect between management and Russell Wilson. But I will tell you this right now. Hands down, Russell Wilson is not getting traded. And to prove it, and it's not to prove it, but I'll, I'll make a bet with you. And anybody that's listening, anybody that's watching can hold me to this, if Russell Wilson gets traded, I will drink an entire glass of hot sauce. And I will promise I will do that. I'm that confident that Russell Wilson will not get traded. I think there is too much for Seattle to lose. And I think the um, disconnect between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks has been overblown. And I truthfully believe that. I think that the media loves these little uh, love-hate relationships. They love the drama. And they're going to drag this out to be a lot more than it is. Look look at the NFL this offseason. There's going to be a lot of changes in regards to quarterbacks. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have different quarterbacks that you you probably can't even think of right now. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting traded. Russell Wilson, the media would like to see something to it because it creates more to talk about. Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. The Seahawks are building their team around him. Um, You know, K.J. Wright, he may be gone. That's a possibility. You're looking at a a linebacker that isn't going to take a team-friendly deal, and they may have some issues in regards to the salary cap. Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. And the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson, like I said, I will grab a box of Frank... uh, bottle of Frank's Red Hot. I will prove to you that it's not diluted with anything. 
I'll have the label, the seal on it. I'll take the seal off, pour it into a glass, and I will chug the entire thing if Russell Wilson gets traded. Ja'Shawn Watson, uh, it's a different story. More than likely, he is heading out. More than likely, he is going to a different team. If you're a New York fan, are you going to be happy if he goes to the Jets? Sure. And, you know, there's probably a half a dozen teams that make realistic fits for Deshaun Watson. But... Now, in the end, I mean, can you know, think about any team that doesn't have a quarterback from the Jets to the Patriots to I mean, the Washington football team. A lot of teams that don't have very much for their fans to cheer for at the most important position on the football field. So Deshaun Watson would make sense for a ton of teams. I know there's a dream scenario, like I said, after the. Green Bay Packers lost the the NFC Championship game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There was all that talk, oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is heading out. Maybe he's not going to be with Green Bay anymore. Maybe it's Jordan Love time. Yeah, that would create the ultimate media story. But the problem is Aaron Rodgers ain't going anywhere. And like I said, I'm going to add to it. Russell Wilson will not be traded. And listen, I think it makes as a good as good fodder. It makes as a good piece for talk show hosts to continuously talk about over and over again. Russell Wilson's not being traded. And I'll say for the last time, and somebody's going to have to call me on it, but the odds are Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. So I'd be remiss if I didn't Spent some time talking about Tiger Woods. And Tiger, obviously one of the most important figures in the history of sports. Not only that, he might be the greatest of all time of the greatest of all time. We could have that discussion. Obviously, Tom Brady went in his seventh Super Bowl, spurred that conversation, and set up a situation where you're thinking about all the greatest of all time. All the greatest of all time to ever do it. And Tiger Woods certainly is in the discussion. Now, we're thinking about Tiger Woods, the movie. And is it something else that we're going to think about over the course of time? The Tiger Woods movie, has it come to an end? Is this it? Is it, and hopefully we don't have to say it, is it a Roy Campanella type of situation? Will Tiger Woods ever walk again? Will Tiger Woods ever step foot on a golf course again will tiger woods compete in a tournament again will tiger woods win another major those are all discussions for the the golf fans but also tiger woods has a fandom which is kind of different than any other because we usually live in a society where we don't want to be forgiving for people that do things that are immoral do things that perhaps could be considered illegal. Tiger Woods went through a certainly a rough patch. If you're a uh, Tiger Woods stan, maybe you go out there and say that. But the bottom line is, this is a person that has been, you know, it's kind of given that hero's welcome as he's come back onto the golf course. Won that Masters which somebody thought, that, you know, many people thought that he never win another major again. He did it. And now, of course, he's got this terrible car accident 
which is going to leave him with, you know, months and, you know, maybe years of recovery. You know, it's an awful, awful situation. But Tiger Woods gets a pass over a lot of other people, a lot of other athletes. There are women and I'm sure feminist groups that still aren't happy with Tiger Woods for what he did. You know, he cheated on his wife. He, you know, engaged in some uh, activity that kind of took took uh, the spectrum away away from what Tiger Woods is expected to do and expected to be. And it disappointed a lot of people. But people are forgiven. They've come back. And honestly, with this latest uh, sense of adversity, and I'm going to see if I can get this camera to go on one more time. Um, hold on one second. Yeah, you know, it's not like uh, there's a ton of people missing out right now anyway. Yeah, just, just checking on it. So we're doing all good now. But bottom line, you know, Tiger Woods gets more of a pass than anybody else that's made mistakes out there. And I'm not going to compare sexual assault. I'm not going to compare domestic violence. I'm not going to compare lewd pics and say that they are on the same level and ground of what Tiger Woods did. But from an immoral standpoint, it is a little bit of a double standard. And you could say what Tiger Woods did was more damning and hurting to himself and his reputation. He didn't break the law. He didn't commit a crime. But what's to say out of all those women that Tiger Woods allegedly slept with, what if one of them felt forced into it? What if one of them decides to make a claim that it was against her will? All of a sudden, Tiger Woods looks a lot different. But we look at this American hero, and really, there's been no, you know, few golfers. You, know, you can think of Jack Nicholas. You can think of Arnold Palmer as far as those that were beloved throughout the majority or the entirety of their careers. And Tiger Woods looked like he was the greatest golfer to ever step foot on a golf course. But now you look at the adversity that he faced, the multiple back surgeries. He came back and he won the Masters. And now he's kind of just was just kind of lingering in. Is he going to play in another major? Is there a chance that he could ever win another major? Can he win another tournament? to pass Sam Snead for all time. Will he ever get to Jack Nicholas's 18 majors? Now, the thought is there's no chance of that happening. Nobody's, nobody's accepted that. And it gets me into the whole doctor thing. How many times have you heard this person was told that they'd never walk again? How many times? Every time somebody faces adversity, every time somebody comes back from adversity, we hear about the doctor that told that person that they would never walk again. Like that doctor is going to walk in a room like it is right now and say, listen, you are never going to walk again. You are never going to be able to speak again. You're never going to be able to see again, hear again. And sometimes it makes you wonder if it's the same doctor. 
Is it the same doctor that goes out there and Mr. Negative Nancy that's going to go out there and tell everybody that they're never going to be able to do anything again? Because that doctor, I'm sure, is in Tiger Woods Hospital room right now. He's standing there. He's standing over Tiger Woods. He's telling him, Tiger, you are never going to walk again. And think about it. Is there more of a despised person in the history of the world than that figurative doctor that goes in there and tells every person that faces any sort of injury, anything that could be considered debilitating, that they will never walk again? I'm sure they say it for insurance purposes. I'm sure they don't want to you know, give undue encouragement and then have that person never walk again and maybe leave open a possibility of a lawsuit. But outside of that, man, I can't think of a few people outside of Satan that I despise more than that doctor that seems to walk into everybody's hospital room and say, that person's never going to walk again. Well, he's telling Tiger Woods that right now. Odds are Tiger Woods is going to get himself in shape. He's going to walk. Odds are Tiger Woods is going to get himself in the best shape possible to be on a golf course. And I heard some people compare the nature of his injury, his leg injury, to that of Alex Smith. And is it easier for Tiger Woods to get on a golf course than for Alex Smith to get back on a football field? Both are tremendous accomplishments. And assuming that Tiger does get back on a golf course, and obviously what Alex Smith did last year was tremendous, played in just five games, is the MV, or is the comeback player of the year of the National Football League, yada, yada, yada. But I think of this, and I think of this seriously, because you know we, we, we try to make sports like football so tough and golf is so weak. Yes, you have to worry about if you're a quarterback in the National Football League, a 300-pound lineman coming at you with 4-5, 40-speed, you know, crushing your newly created leg. But in golf, isn't it about hand-eye coordination? Isn't it about balance? Isn't it about strength of the legs to be able to keep the repetitive motion of hitting a golf ball? Which obviously Tiger Woods is going to be fine with. He's not all of a sudden going to forget how to hit a ball, but, you know, is he going to be able to stand? Is there going to be enough pressure off of his legs where he doesn't have to think about the pain in either one of his legs? And you can make a case that it actually could be a little tougher, a little bit tougher for somebody to stand still or stand with little movement and hit a golf ball than it is for somebody that's getting used to running. Now, listen, Tiger Woods is going to, you know, he's going to have to be in good shape. He's going to have to be in good fitness. He's going to have to go from walking to running to working out on a consistent basis. But at some point, you know, it's going to be about standing with his feet spread, focusing in on hitting a golf ball, and can he stand still? Can he have the hand-eye coordination? Can his legs work in conjunction with his arms and his brain and his eyes as he's looking to hit a golf ball? 
This copyright broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction of these pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPLA.com and JohnPLALLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of the program, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, us watching the Lakers really over the last week or so, and obviously there's one major thing that's missing that is the reason that the Lakers all of a sudden don't look like a functionable National Basketball Association team. This is a team that was expected after winning a championship last year in a bubble. And let's be let's be serious. You know, you had the NBA bubble and a weird situation with the coronavirus and a pandemic and a whole thing. And you had the 60-game MLB season and made, you know, with baseball, with the, you know, just kind of the weird setup. But you look back at the two teams that won. It's not like there was a fluke. The Dodgers have been considered one of the best teams in Major League Baseball for a series of years. The Lakers, were they not considered a prohibitive favorites to win the NBA championship last year? So you might talk about the circumstances being a little off. And maybe from a historian standpoint, if you really want to put an asterisk on the season, you can, because everybody that was here understands what happened. But you're looking at the winners whether it's the NBA, even the NHL with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, if you know enough about hockey, you know that the Lightning were a pretty damn good hockey team. It wasn't like this was this was some, you know, bum, you know, bubble hockey team that somehow lucked out and won the the Stanley Cup. It may, you know, perhaps they were a little up and down over the last five years, but they consistently got a good team. So I don't think any, you could really dispute the validity of any of these teams that have won. But back to the Lakers, what's the one constant? The connection between Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And Anthony Davis is out right now, and the Lakers can't win a game. Lakers have lost five of six. They dropped the game to the Utah Jazz. Now, I would expect the Jazz to beat the Lakers without Anthony Davis. So that I'm not surprised about. But you're watching the Lakers game in and game out, not looking as if they, they have very much. And is it going to come down to the fact that the most important player on that court for the Los Angeles Lakers is Anthony Davis and not LeBron James? Now, it doesn't mean that LeBron James isn't amongst the greatest of all time. You know, we talked about the GOATs before. We're talking about Tiger Woods, the GOAT of all GOATs. Who do you want to throw in there? Obviously, LeBron James is part of the discussion. LeBron James, for years with the Cleveland Cavaliers, had a hard time winning by himself. And that being said, not to insult anybody, but who in basketball history has gone out there and won by themselves? You know, I grew up in the age of Michael Jordan, and I understand that Michael Jordan's not winning six NBA championships without Scottie Pippen. They had good role players there. The NBA, as much as we want to make it out to be a one-man sport, it's not. Sure, one man can influence whether a team's good or not. Look at the Cavs and look at LeBron James. The Cavs were bad. LeBron James comes. They are a stalwart in the Eastern Conference. 
LeBron James goes to Miami. The Cavaliers are the worst team in the league. LeBron James comes back there in the NBA Finals, winning NBA, winning an NBA championship. LeBron James leaves again, and the Cavs aren't any good. So yes, one player means a lot for relevancy. But when we're talking about championships, you need more than just the one player. Bill Russell, 11 championships in 13 years, as great as that was, will be the first to tell you he wouldn't have won without the players that he had around him. We say the same thing about you know Magic Johnson and Kareem and Larry Bird. Any team that's dominant and any player that you could say was one of the best of all time can't do it by themselves. Babe Ruth and the Yankees, 21 and 22 World Series. They lost to the Giants. Babe Ruth by himself wasn't good enough to win the World Series. Yes, they won in 23. But when they won and made it to back in 26 and won in 27 and 28, it was because there was a first baseman by the name of Lou Gehrig that was there with Babe Ruth. And if you look at LeBron James, he's you could say he's the best player in the NBA right now, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that argument. But here's what I will say. The Lakers are not winning an NBA championship unless Anthony Davis is healthy and in the lineup and playing there alongside LeBron James. Now, Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder is out, which obviously adds to the fact that the Lakers are a little bit shorthanded. And if there's a time that they're going to go through a rough patch with players that are injured, you'd rather it be right now than uh, the last couple games of the season when you're wondering whether Anthony Davis is going to play in the playoffs. But the bottom line is they need Anthony Davis. The Lakers and LeBron James probably aren't winning an NBA championship without Anthony Davis. And that's been proven. Lakers don't belong on a court with the Utah Jazz without AD. And they were, losing, they were losing game after game after game. The one point, 21 and six Lakers are now 21 and 11. Still going to be fine to make the playoffs. Anthony Davis can take the next couple months off and the Lakers will be fine. They'll get into the postseason. But the bottom line is if AD isn't playing there along LeBron, Lakers are in trouble. So I want to throw this question out there and, uh, you know, I'll put a poll out. You know, what, what, do, what do people feel about makeup when it comes to videos? We know about being camera ready. Um, any network is going to have that makeup crew that's going to come over and say, hey, we're going to put some, you know, whatever, whether it's blush or, you know, powder on your face and maybe help get rid of the bags under the eyes and stuff like that. What's the, what's the thought about podcasting? Is makeup something that should be considered? Could I benefit from wearing makeup? So random things that come across in my head. Once again, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. A little bit of a recap so far. Russell Wilson, he's not getting traded. And if Russell Wilson gets traded, I promise I will, without a doubt, unequivocally, no question about it, I will chug a glass of Frank's Red Hot Sauce. And like I said, 
We'll make sure that there's proof that it's not diluted. We'll have the seal that's still on the, the, the cap. Maybe I'll even drink it out of the bottle. We'll see. But the bottom line is I don't expect to do that because Russell Wilson is not getting traded. Talk about the doctors that are always out there telling people they will never walk again. You will never walk again. The story is always out there. Every person that faced that adversity, when they start walking, what's the first thing they say? The doctors told me that I would never walk again. Is that doctor the same doctor? I want to meet that doctor. What is that doctor's problem? Why is he so negative? Why doesn't he have any belief or she in the fact that somebody can walk again? Why does that doctor time after time tell people you will never walk again? That doctor is in a hospital room with Tiger Woods as we speak, telling Tiger Woods, you will never walk again. Now, I used to think that that's, uh, you know, maybe a metaphor for something or maybe some sort of example of why uh, or, you know, maybe something. Hey, you're facing adversity. Uh, yeah, there's always going to be somebody that's going to say that. But somewhere along the line, there is a doctor that goes out there and tell these, tells these people this. You will never walk again. Hey, listen, you look at the Lakers. I don't think they're going to have a problem advancing. I, I'd be surprised if they weren't at the very least the Western Conference final team. And maybe it's just a, you know the example of what happens over the course of a long NBA season. You've heard about the discussions about how long a season can be. Maybe it's a little bit too much. Baseball, 162 perspective games. It's a really long time. So much happens. There's ups, there's downs, there's teams that you believe in, there's teams that you, you, you think are going to have it easy to end up not. There's surprises. And in the end, you feel it's enough time where the cream will rise to the top. And in the NBA, when you got a team like the Lakers, who we feel after winning an NBA championship last year, got themselves better, that it wasn't going to be very hard for them. Well, there has to be some adversity thrown in there. Anthony Davis out for as long as he is. How long is he going to be out? Is he going to come back anytime soon? You're looking at the Lakers. They look like a different basketball team. They look like they cannot win a championship without Anthony Davis in a lineup. So I got a couple minutes. We're going to talk about this surprise MLB team, which I'll be honest, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about, but I'll go up and down the divisions real quick and I will get behind somebody that no nobody else really projects to win and be successful and have a good season. I think an easy answer would be the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I, if you follow the PBS and the PBS picks over the course of the last decade, you know that I traditionally am very high on the Angels. And I'm usually not high on the Rays. I'm usually not high on the Athletics. So year after year, I'm proven wrong with that. But the Angels seem to be that team that I kind of get behind and think that this is going to be the year. But I'm not going to say that now. I'm not saying that I'm not going to predict that they'll win the AL West. We'll wait probably for the next show. Maybe the show on Saturday. Maybe the show next Thursday when I'm down in uh, in spring training in West Palm and Port St. Lucie and Jupiter. But 
thinking about it from, from this perspective, what team would most of us give no shot at that I'm maybe giving a little bit of a puncher's chance to? Padres would be easy. A lot of people are jumping on the Padres bandwagon. Are people thinking Francisco Lindor single-handedly is going to make the Mets a powerhouse in the NL East? I'm not ruling them out. I think they could have a good season. I don't look at them as hands down better than any other team in that division. I certainly don't look at them as a National League favorite. Cardinals with Arenado kind of set themselves ahead of those other teams in their division. If I had a, a team to pick, what would it be? Would I get in that AL Central, which looks bad? Would I get behind the Tigers? Would I get behind the Royals? But what about the Indians? The Indians traded Lindor and Carrasco and, you know, Carlos Santana ain't there anymore, so they have very limited leadership. Is this young team going to be able to compete in a division that may not be very good? Well, so I could see the Indians taking a dump and being the worst team in that division. But I think they got enough pitching. You talk about uh, Shane Bieber. You're talking about Zach Plesac. Still a decent rotation. They got some good young players there. I think Andres Jimenez and Amad Rosario could thrive, given a chance to play every day. Jose Ramirez is still, you know, if he's not a top 10, he's a top 20 player as far as position player in all Major League Baseball. And there's nothing that's really stuck with me. Could I get behind the Red Sox? Could Chris Sale come back this year? Eh, listen, I don't think anybody's counting on it. But he'd be a nice midseason addition for a team if they could somehow hang in there. And it's not like the Red Sox are shot. They still got some really good players. You know, how many times are you going to hear about J.D. Martinez's batting average last year? Can J.D. go out there and, and have a big-time season if he does, if Devers and Bogarts play well? Some other pieces start to sprinkle in. They get a little bit of pitching. Their pitching was awful last year. Could the Red Sox compete? And listen, I have more belief in, let's say, the Red Sox or the Blue Jays for this one reason. I, I don't. I think the the pixie dust is finally up in Tampa Bay. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays can't continuously go out there and do what they do, and all of a sudden win because of a system. I'm sorry. There's some people that are pissed off to hear that. There's some people that are going to use all these analytics and basically make the case that the Rays should be good every year. John Pielli playing shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays wouldn't matter because of the system. And they go out there and they are going to win or compete for the AL East or a playoff spot year after year. Their pitching was very instrumental in the Rays winning a lot of games last year. Now, you could say it was their setup. They used openers, their relievers. Now, we know relievers are fickle. We can't expect the same relievers, the Nick Andersons of the world, the uh, what's the, what's the other guy's name, the uh, the the other hard throwing reliever that they had. And I'm sorry for not getting it off the top of my head, but you know, if you think of the now now I gotta go look it up, but you know, you think of the relievers that are in there, time in and time out, are getting a job done. You can't guarantee that they're going to be able to do that again this year. And Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, you're replacing those guys with what? Chris Archer and 
Michael Waka. And, you know, who's the uh, the other guy that they got from the from the Padres? Zach Davies. And Fairbanks was a was the guy I was looking for. But, you know, the bottom line is obviously this is a team that has this philosophy. They're going to have a bunch of people that are going to rotate in and they're going to play matchups. They're going to study the numbers. And when it comes to their starting pitching, they don't need that much. They don't need a David Price circa, you know, 2011, 2012. They don't need a Chris Archer in his prime. They don't need a Matt Garza at his best. And for those that for, might forget, Matt Garza in his prime was pretty good for a Tampa Bay. So, once again, my long-winded point here is Tampa Bay, I think, is taking a dump this year. Are they the worst team in the AL East? Probably not. I still think the Orioles are further away. But I look at this team and I say it's a fourth-place team. And if the Rays are a fourth-place team, that means somebody's winning the division, and that's probably the Yankees. And that means that somebody else is going to pick up a couple wins, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Boston. I can see Boston being around a 500 team. I can see Boston going 80 and 82 or 82 and 80 or maybe 84 and 78 or something like that over the course of what we expect to be of a 162-game season. Do I think they're making the playoffs? No, but I think they will steal some wins if this finally comes crashing down as, ex as expected in Tampa Bay with the philosophy. Tampa Bay Rays, they're about the system. They're not about the players. I think at some point you need some cohesion. And I do believe that there is a mentality when you're talking about good players that are on a team that are continuously moved out. I do think that that impacts the morale. I think that impacts the way that players feel. You know, are they next? How long are they sticking around? I must have knocked over my bottle of water. But whatever. This is the Passball Show, as always, brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So I think the Rays will be, they're going to have a tough time this year. The Oakland Athletics, the kings of the dumpster dive, went out there and found $10 million, you know, when they saved in regards to, uh, I think it was about $16 million when they traded Chris Davis and they got Elvis Andrews for nothing. They got Jed Lowry on a minor league contract. And they brought in Mitch, Mitch Moreland and Sergio Romo. And all of a sudden, yeah, they decided to pay Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal $11 million. But we're going to spread it over three years. As much as I want the athletics to not be good, I still think they got enough to hold it together. And, you know, very quietly, Andrews and Lowry, and you know Jed Lowry is going to be healthy this year. You know, the only reason that Jed Lowry wasn't healthy the last two years is because he was part of the New York Mets. New York Mets got that curse. It's about putting that uniform on. And yes, Jason Bay. Jason Bay put the Mets uniform on and never could play a baseball game again. Roberto Alomar put on a Mets uniform and was on his way to the Hall of Fame. And it was so bad with the Mets that you started to question whether or not he was a Hall of Famer. How many good players have put on a Mets uniform and been bad? How many average and regular MLB players have put on a Mets uniform and gotten even worse? Jed Lowry is going to go out there and he's going to have a Jed Lowry type of season. All of a sudden, he's going to be healthy. And in fact, 
you know, he, he should leave grounds for a lawsuit for the Mets if they want to sue Jed Lowry for the fact that maybe he just didn't want to play baseball for now. So there's a couple more free agents I want to get into, and I want to put the the uh, predictions on the record. This way, I've gone through my whole list. I only got four left, and we'll talk about Ryan Braun. And I think similar to what we're seeing with the Yankees and Brett Gardner, I think there's loyalty there between the team and the player. And I don't see anybody going out there saying, hey, I'm going to make a big push for Ryan Braun. I'd be shocked if Ryan Braun went anywhere else but the Brewers. And I think it really is down to two decisions. Is Ryan Braun coming back or is Ryan Braun not coming back? Obviously, if he's not coming back, he's not playing for anybody. So Ryan Braun, I think, is coming back to the Brewers. So Jose Alvarez. Relief pitcher. Pitched for the Phillies last year. And I just want to make sure that he is not signed with anybody. From this point, I don't see. So I will make a prediction. Marlins for Jose Alvarez. Leaves me with two players. Mikel Franco and Shane Green. I look at Franco and I think he is a player that could provide some depth for the Washington Nationals. Carter Keboom. He could play some third. He could play some short, maybe even some second. Maybe there's uncertainty about how much they're going to believe in him. Ryan Zimmerman can't play third anymore. He's going to be over there, maybe backing up Josh Bell, maybe playing a couple games in the outfield, maybe being that first right-handed bat off the bench, if, you know, assuming that there's not going to be a designated hitter in the National League. I think the Nationals could use some depth at the Keystone. I think Mikel Franco would be a good signing for the Nationals. And Shane Green, I think you look at the Padres, and they brought in Mark Melanson. They still have Drew Pomerantz, who looked very good in a late-inning role last year. Emilio Pagan, quietly one of the top relievers in all Major League Baseball, and you saw that last year. How about the Padres just kind of putting their foot down? And one more solid reliever. I think Shane Green would be a great fit for the San Diego Padres. We'll be back with you Saturday. Once again, you can catch the Passball Show on Spotify, Apple Music, or, uh, you know, whatever, Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, YouTube. We tried to Twitter Live. We'll see how that works. I was looking forward to getting back on the Periscope, but, uh, of course, I didn't realize that it, there's going to be no Periscope at the end of March. So we tried the Twitter Live thing. We'll see how that ends up working out. Like I said, uh, uh, many different ways you can reach out to the Passball Show and John Pielli. And once again, if Russell Wilson gets traded, I'm chugging some Frank Red Hot. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.